This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Wednesday, November 30th, 2016 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Drama is conflict. Conflict is interesting, yet potential conflicts of interest don't seem that dramatic to most people. To you and I, they might, but the average voter, they apparently don't. Donald Trump never released his taxes, gave excuses that seemed flimsy, at least they did in a pre-post-truth world, yet he was elected. He says he'll announce how he will be addressing the issue of conflicts of interest, but it's clear he doesn't care about the issue. He thinks voters don't care, and at this point, they, or at least the majority of voters in electoral states that add up to the majority of the vote, do not care. So, is conflict of interest bad? It is. It really is. He'll be able to make policy in his business interests, not in our national interests. We won't know that these policies may be in his business interests because his business interests are opaque. We'll be asked to take his word. Remember, he has set every record for Pinocchios and pants aflame that exist. Azerbaijan, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, countries that the U.S. to one degree or another is trying to put pressure on to open up democratically or at least in terms of human rights. Also sites of Donald Trump properties. Deutsche Bank faces a $14 billion fine by the U.S., also given a huge loan to Donald Trump. By the way, a couple of months ago, the IMF released a report which said Deutsche Bank poses a greater risk to the global financial system than any other bank in the world. And they are a big Donald Trump creditor. Maybe that's why they pose that financial risk. Really, though, let's be fair, totally fair, more fair than Donald Trump has ever been. There are ways to deal with a multifaceted businessman who is assuming the presidency. They would include opening his books or divesting assets, and that would be something Trump would never do. I could also imagine that some other businessman, let's imagine a fictional character who we all voted for, got 70% of the vote, had real business acumen, unites the country, makes us feel good about ourselves, didn't put anyone down, but he also has far-flung business interests. What would we do? Well, we would hope he would do those things of uh, being more open, having more sunshine into his books. But I can imagine that this guy at some point, this guy or woman, might chafe at divesting his or her life's work his or her children's inheritance. Businesses, which the person I'm talking about who doesn't exist, honestly thinks improves the world. And at some point, this person would say, look, either you trust the president or you don't. No amount of rules or no amount of laws is going to stop me if my real intention were to rob you blind. And what they would fear is voter backlash. Now, that's some great president who's fictional who we all got behind. Do you trust that with Donald Trump? The problem is the fear of voter backlash, which Trump should fear, can only be achieved if the public knows what's going on. For the public to know what's going on, there needs to be some openness. And there is nothing in Trump's past to suggest he sees any value in openness when it comes to his business. When it comes to his sex life, sure, but not his business. I think he will work out a fig's leaf arm's length solution so that the day he assumes power, he is not in violation of the emoluments clause of the Constitution. I suspect Republicans in Congress, who are the only check on this potential excess, will accept the fig leaf that's offered because they believe a Trump presidency will be good for their agenda. 
But if Trump betrays them, it will be hard for them to say one day, well, what we decreed legal on Monday is now illegal on Tuesday. I mean, what are they, James Comey? This is an area where the press has to do what it can to hold Trump accountable, has to travel to the places where he holds business, has to get deep inside the nature of those businesses, has to make contacts with some of Trump's partners throughout the world, document their rise and fall during his administration, and let the public, that not insignificant, though not overwhelming portion of the public who is attuned to such things, become interested in these potential conflicts. On the show today, I spiel about a thousand Indiana jobs. If this were a song, I'd be John Cougar Mellencamp. But first, Maria Konnikova is here, and she brings with her her own weather system. It's a brainstorming session. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. There are no wrong answers. Just throw anything out there. Steve, what do you got? All right, I lied. That was definitely a wrong answer. Get the hell out of the room. That's what I always want from a brainstorming session. But brainstorming sessions, especially when they follow the formal rules of brainstorming, always, to me, seem to promise more than they deliver. So it must be asked, brainstorming is that bullshit? And when we ask questions like this, who better to join us? In fact, I think by law, she has to join us. It's Maria Konnikova, the author of The Confidence Game. Hello, Maria. Hey, Mike. Have you ever actually done one? Not an informal, oh, let's just talk about ideas, but a brainstorming session, capital underline? I have, but I didn't realize that there were actually formalized rules. What are the formalized rules of a brainstorming session? I think one is there are no wrong answers is wrong. Oh, right. Of course. I think that uh, one is... Um, kind of trying to piggyback on stuff other people say. Yeah. You know, there are different ways to run brainstorming sessions. Right. But essentially, I think what we're saying and what we're going to test is, do you get better ideas by talking about them in a group context? Sure. sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I became a writer, because I had one <laughs> too many brainstorming uh, sessions in the corporate world and decided yeah. it was time for me to strike it out on my own. To me, brainstorming sessions are a little like all group projects in school. If the other kids in your group were better than you, yeah. great. And if they were worse than you, oh, I'm dragging these <laughs> nudniks along. Well, you know, so that might actually not even be right. Oh. Because... I won't spoil the answer by giving it out too early, but it turns out that if you put a lot of really smart people together to brainstorm ideas, you don't necessarily get their smartest ideas and you don't necessarily get them at their best when they're all together. Ah. So, for instance, if you went to brainstorm with Steve Jobs um, leading the brainstorming session, you might leave with worse output of your own and Steve Jobs might not even actually be as good as Steve Jobs 
could be in a different setting. Right. It doesn't seem like for what we know about how Steve Jobs thinks, he doesn't seem, he seems collaborative in the way that he takes other people's ideas. I mean, that was his genius. He didn't actually come up with his own ideas. But he doesn't seem like a real giver. He doesn't seem very sociable. He seems to have a lot of, have had a lot of personality traits that would get in the way of brainstorming. Yeah. So there was this guy, well, still is this guy, Paul Paulus. Mm -hmm. I love that name. Yes. Um, He's a psychologist who who has been studying um, brainstorming. He's for... like the Boutros, Boutros Galley of psychology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he started studying this, I think, in the 80s. It might have been a, even a little bit earlier. And so he and a lot of others have studied this too. He's just the one who's kind of really been going at it. And he looked at a lot of different things. So I guess number one is... People often say, you know, oh, we get more ideas in a group. You know, why do people brainstorm? I think if you back up, why why is this even a thing? Mm-hmm. I think the idea is get a lot of smart people together, let them all collaborate, and all of a sudden you've got all of these smart ideas. And if everyone is throwing them out there, you're being encouraged to think, maybe some competitive spirit. You know, I want to throw out more ideas than you, and all of a sudden we're just – in this beautiful idea land. I think that's the storm yeah, idea. The cold the front storm. meets the warm front. And yes. Exactly, exactly. So what ends up happening is actually something a little bit different. It turns out there are not as many ideas as we think, and they're not as creative as when people brainstorm on their own. Mm. So, so there's kind of a writing storm <laughs> or when you actually just write out ideas and it's just you. And that happens for a number of reasons. First, it depends on the group dynamic. So groups usually have a strong leader. And even if they don't, there's always someone who throws out the first idea. And you've probably heard the word groupthink, um, which was discovered a long time ago. And the idea is that groups start conforming. So you have someone lead and then everyone follows. And no one thought, oh, if there's groupthink, then maybe brainstorming is not a great idea. Somehow those two things never really came together. But that's the same thing that often happens. So you end up people storming in one direction. So instead of, you know, this big storm of ideas, you get lots of ideas that go in the direction of the initial ideas. Right. Or if the initial idea is so bad and not an idea that you would have come up on your own if you're trying to be creative, you could spend all your time just trying to pull it back to a garden variety fine idea as opposed to that terrible idea. Right. And um, groupthink, the work on groupthink has been refined a little bit. So now we know that it doesn't necessarily have to be conformity. It can also polarize. Mm -hmm. So there can be two, two camps and then you end up devoting all of your energy to fighting out against each other, one camp versus the other, which once again is not very productive. Right. And then, the strongest personality can hold sway exactly. instead Ex- of the best ideas. Exactly. And people end up getting also lazier in groups because you think, oh, someone else will think of an idea. I don't have to actually be as motivated to come up with the ideas. And the ideas you come up with are not necessarily as creative because you're saying them out loud and you're being judged. And you know this. And you know that even though people say there are no bad ideas or this or that, that people are actually judging you. And not everyone is nice. Some people will talk over you. So there are gender differences, um, unfortunately, in our society. Some people are doing that unfairly. A man talking over a woman. Wait a minute. I just did that. But also... (laughs) You know, 
sometimes some people are great at presenting their ideas in an oral setting. It doesn't make them good ideas. No, there exactly. are good salesmen. Exactly. There are good showmen. Exactly. And some people um, are very good at selling. Yes. And others need time to kind of think through it. Um, and you need, you know, you need different sorts of inspiration. So I need ideas. Um, there's this dual stage of brainstorming, ideally. And that is first, you need to actually pay attention. So sometimes ideas get thrown out and no one's listening because you're also trying to think of your own ideas Mm -hmm. and you want your ideas to be good. So you aren't really integrating, you're not reacting, you're not paying attention. And the second, which is really important for creativity, is incubation. Ideas need an incubation period. You need to actually kind of mull something over, play with it. That's not normally what happens in a brainstorming session, because what happens instead is you just go, 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 go. But that's not good for creative, for ideas that are actually going to be creative. And because people aren't always listening to each other, you get the same ideas, the same idea presented a slightly different way. There's this beautiful uh, Russian expression. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you before. It translates roughly to same shit view from the side. And I think that you get a lot of that in brainstorming sessions, that people just say the same thing, but phrase it a little bit differently. You know, it's my idea. Yeah, I think a lot of the slogans of like McDonald's and Coke are exactly that. Just the same idea phrased a different way. I'm loving it. Or Coke's the raw one or the real one. I always wondered how when you have these ubiquitous products and they're trying to come up with the ad slogans for them or the marketing campaign, like why is one considered bad? Coke, a thing you know and have drunk always. Here's a pretty person <laughs> drinking the Coke. But anyway, it does seem to me that the um, – impetus, the motivation behind a brainstorming session is a good one and a logical one and an understandable one, which is that, which is the acknowledgement. I've talked to people who've written books about innovation, that ideas that come in from the side door, an idea that's not exactly on the point will spark great amounts of creativity. So you say to yourself, all right, let's expose every thinker to other ideas. It's just that a brainstorming session is a really imperfect way to get that spark that you hadn't thought of before. Absolutely. Absolutely. What Everything you said is actually true. And it's really great to be exposed to different ideas. But oftentimes we need what we actually need to process them and to be able to be creative with them, to integrate them into our own thinking and kind of and kind of figure out, you know, okay, what is this? Yeah. So we need time by ourselves. We need time not with a group trying to think th- brainstorm, but time with this. And there's actually work that shows that brainstorming can be much more effective if the way that it happens is people first spend an hour on their own coming up with ideas about a certain topic or, you know, however long. So you know you're going to have a meeting about X and everyone comes in with their ideas and there's actually a rule that you're going to be reading through your list and that every single person is going to be doing that. So sometimes, or, you know, you pick your five best or whatever, whatever it is, those can be much more effective because then you actually can You've thought about it and you really are exploring everyone's ideas. That said, it's that's really hard to implement. And always group dynamics matter. So some groups are going to be more productive than others. But there's this one study that shows that brainstorming can be more effective if you're already in a group that has worked together and that has a norm of productivity 
that every single group, every single person in the group knows that productivity is expected. That oh, so the, oh, the like, norm of productivity, you don't mean it has a certain output level that everyone knows to achieve. No. It's, yeah, you mean that when the people get together, the dynamic of that group works because they know it's a working it's group. It's a working group, yeah. right? It's not like a let's right. shoot the shit right. or like talk about that game last night or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that group's norm is we are here to get shit done. Right. So those types of groups can be more effective. That said... Almost every single thing that I've read shows that that is still not as good as having people initially come up with ideas on their own. Um, you do get much more creative thinking when you just have that reflection and incubation time. I mean, there is no way to have that in a group unless the entire group is then sitting quietly and resenting being there, which, by the way, is also an important thing. I was always completely terrible at these sessions because I hated them. I thought that they were a waste of my time and that they weren't going to be effective. That's a really bad attitude. And when you have that attitude, you know what happens? It's self-fulfilling. It ends up being a waste of your time. Um, And I think I'm not the only one who has that attitude. All right. So let's do this in two steps. We'll ask our uh, classic question. The question that defines the segment is that bullshit. So brainstorming as a means to come up with greater creativity. Is that bullshit? That's pretty much bullshit, yes. But what I want to ask you is, if you were to advise a group, a business that had been brainstorming, they listen to this segment, they're like, all right, how do we improve it? Yeah. You already gave us one tip, which is uh, tell the people to incubate beforehand. Yeah. But then what do you do? How do you do? What's the best way to incorporate the group dynamic? Well, I think that, um, you know, what you were talking about earlier, having s- rules of brainstorming might actually be helpful, that it's not just a free for all, you know, that. We know everyone is going to share X number of ideas and we're going to discuss every single one of them so that you actually say, okay, at the end of this meeting, these are the types of goals that we're going to have. These are the types of questions we're going to answer. And the first person to mention a sports team, unless we're brainstorming about athletic wear yes. um, is going to be sent out of the room. That's good. It's good to have a rule. A My rule would be it's specific to TV shows about vampires. Okay. But the second anyone- What about zombies? Well, this is the thing. Or, or zombies. Okay. But, okay. So like you already did a season, maybe two seasons in the book. The second anyone brings up werewolves, that guy's fired. Okay. So I'd have that rule. That's my yeah, three strikes vampire specific show. One strike. It would be a stake to the heart. Oh. That's my uh. vampire specific- <laughs> Not anti-brainstorming rule. Brainstorming. There are wrong answers. (laughs) I think that should be my... Put that on their grave. That's that's a good tagline. There are wrong answers. I think we came up with a good tagline for whom? For Coke, for McDonald's? There are wrong answers. And remember, there are wrong answers. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game. She adjudicates questions of bullshittedness on this show. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Mike. And now the spiel. The Carrier Air Conditioner Factory in Indianapolis will not be shuttering, not fully shuttering. Donald Trump has announced that he's worked out a deal to save half the 2,000 jobs there. And when Trump announces a major achievement, we pay attention. Trump said he would hold his own event Thursday night to raise money for wounded warriors and veterans. And eventually we, or only one reporter at the Washington Post, may check in to see if this promise is real. In the case of the veterans, they only began seeing the money after the media began asking questions, questions 
which Trump, of course, yelled at the media for asking. The deal with Carrier needs to be checked on just as assiduously. So I'll start now. Let's do the numbers. Carrier is owned by United Technologies, a multinational that does a lot of business with the government. The New York Times says it does five or six billion dollars a year worth of business with the government. I wonder if you check subsidiaries. It's not more. I just looked at their webpage. They have UTC Aerospace System. They also own Pratt & Whitney. They own a lot of companies that have government contracts. But just this one, UTC, United Technologies, Aerospace System, They have a webpage touting on press releases, quote, they received a contract from the Naval Surface Warfare Center to provide sonar domes. Next one, UTC Aerospace Systems will continue its mission to deliver global field service and on-site expertise in support of Raytheon for their recent award to operate the U.S. Air Force Distributed Common Ground System. Next one, UTC Aerospace System flight trials ongoing to evaluate U.S. Air Force's C-5 fleet. Now, business with this pays millions of dollars in lobbying, direct contributions to politicians. They pay for lobbyists on the Hill. They pay major fees to the many business consortiums they may be in. A thousand jobs at $20 to $25 an hour will cost the company 40 million, a little more than $40 million a year. But when you ship the jobs to Mexico, you also lose some tax credits. That'll bring the 40 million down a little. You also have to pay the Mexican workers something. It's said to be $3 an hour. That brings it down a little. There's also the cost of opening a Mexico plant versus keeping the plant you already have. Plus there's unemployment and severance to pay your old workers. Plus even if labor costs are cheaper in Mexico, labor quality is better and it's more efficient in the United States. You add it all up. And I would say that if I was Carrier's big boss, I would definitely keep the deal here. A thousand jobs, and by the way, there's no indication that these thousand jobs will go on indefinitely. It will wind up costing this company less in lobbying and government influence over the same period of time than not keeping the jobs. And all Trump has to do, maybe a tax break, maybe just win a satellite contract here, gather a jet contract there. This is definitely the right business move for United Technologies. And it's good for these thousand workers. I'm glad they get their jobs back. But this is not a plan. This is a bribe and a tweet, which could be more kindly called a deal. This is a business deal and reaping the PR benefits. I do not fault Trump for this. He is a politician making good on a promise. Yes, he helps himself, but that is the incentive of the politician. He's showing that he has follow through. It does not solve the problem of the average of 312,000 manufacturing jobs lost since the turn of the century. No, but you know what? Doctors Without Borders, they save a lot of people's lives, but still 5 million people died in the Congo War alone. You do what you can to save the ones you can. The problem is that charities, in saving the few, do not claim that theirs is a plan to save the many. Trump will claim this is a plan to do that. It's not even really a plan. It's a deal that can't be replicated. What I'm sure Trump will try to do is turn it into that reality show moment where over and over again he plays the tape of him holding the equivalent of the novelty check. Or you cut to the little girl who hugs him because she can now go to college. Or you play the maudlin music over the shot of the carrier plant with the sign open for business. Trump can't be faulted for being a politician, for honoring a promise, for giving some hope. I personally think there is no long-term solution to what ails manufacturing, and therefore this should be framed as he did what he could do in this limited way. The incoming administration will try to frame it as we're making America great. It's up to the media to check on the rest of the American economy to see if it, unlike what will be produced in this one carrier plant, will continue to blow.
That's it for today's show. Mary Wilson is the producer of The Gist. Chris Berube is the producer of The Gist. I list them separately so they can come up with their really best ideas when they get together later. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast, which is exactly what Andy Bowers, chief content officer of the Panoply Network, was going to say. He calls it piggybacking. The courts do not agree. The Gist. Covering brainstorms and soon brain farts. Oomperu, deperu, duperu, and thanks for listening. <laughs>